is going, everybody? We are back once again with another episode of Pocket Around. A um, little bit of difficulties right before the show, Garth, but uh, we're here. We're ready. We are fired up as well. Um, so how are you doing tonight, my friend? And, you know, are you ready to discuss some hockey? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Extra fired up tonight. Uh, my Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the Edmonton Oilers at home. And then Sunday we will be returning back home to take on Alexander Ovechkin and the Washington Capitals. I will be there in person. First regular season game I'll be attending this year. So really, really fired up for some hockey. A lot has been going down in the sport. A lot of guys on absolute tears. So yeah, really excited to to jump right into things tonight, my man, and talk about some good old hockey. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, the Penguins have a nice schedule this week because they're currently scheduled to lose to the Capitals tomorrow, then lose to the Maple Leafs on Friday. So really excited to see how that turns out. We already got a couple of comments coming in. Mike DeSantis saying, let's go Rangers. Uh, they're playing the Islanders tonight because I saw some of our buddies were going to the game, and apparently there's actually going to be Islanders fans there, which you know With doesn't always jerseys on. Yeah, Potvin. <laughs> They're ready. And our buddy Tom Scavetta saying, what's up, gents? Not much, my friend. What's good, Tom? What's good, Mike? Tom is currently nuking all the Facebook threads to get rid of the trolls and bots that are hacking into our review and preview servers. So everyone give a big shout out to Tom for that. But, um, yeah, you know, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get right into it, Garth. We're going to start with our, our buddy Mike's, Mikey Bradley's team, the Buffalo Sabres. And you know what it is? We were mentioning this before the show, Garth. It's funny. We decided to talk about the Sabres like six days ago. And right after that, what happened? They lost two straight games. But you know what? They still have a you know a winning record at 7-5, seven 7-5-0, and, five, seven, five and oh, um, despite being a lottery favorite in preseason. However, you know, and we've talked about this a lot, Garth. The Atlantic is very competitive. The Bruins off to a great start. Obviously, you're lightning the Panthers. Um, Toronto's getting it going a bit. And then you have teams like the Red Wings and the uh, Senators as well. They're pretty solid. And Montreal, they've won won a few games here and there, but you know clearly they're they're a little bit farther behind. So the Sabers are still only sixth in the Atlantic, but um, you know great start for them. Darlene has been phenomenal. Eric Comrie and Ned has had a couple really solid games. You know where the Sabers were basically getting dominated, and you know he just kind of stood on his head a bit. So you know from the bit, little bits you've seen, Garth, the Sabers this year, what have been your thoughts so far on how they've been doing? I mean, obviously the last game they played was against your team. So what did you see in that one? Yeah, so one thing worth noting, a guy that you mentioned, Noah, in Rasmus Stalin, he actually was out for them for both of those losses. So obviously a huge uh, hole on a team that doesn't overall have a very great uh, defensive core. So getting him back tonight, they're in action against the Arizona Coyotes, a game that in theory they should win to bounce back and you know get winning back under their belts, move to eight and five. Um but, yeah, as far as what I've seen out of them, you know, they, they played the Hurricanes, uh, kind of got shellacked by them there on the road in Carolina. They came here to Tampa. Uh, I think we ended up beating them 5-3, to three, but the score is really deceiving. Uh, one of those goals was an empty netter. Uh, the other one was very, very late into the third period. Very, um, very good team, honestly. I watched that game start to finish. I believe I was messaging you throughout uh, Comrie absolutely standing on his head. This dude saved probably five or six other like breakaway shots that should have been goals by guys like Nikita Kucherov, Braden Point. I believe he even had a good stop on a Nick Paul breakaway. So, you know, that dude, to many people's surprise, has been excellent in goal. 
Uh, this team plays with a lot of speed. They get up and down the ice. They're good in transition. You know, they don't turn the puck over. They have great passing. So, you know, this this is a team that, you know, watching them on the ice, and I'm not saying they're as good as them, so don't kind of, you know, throw me under the bus for this one, guys. But watching them in that game against my Tampa Bay Lightning, it reminded me a lot of a team like the Colorado Avalanche where they have a lot of mm-hmm. – youth guys who are still fresh you know they haven't been beat up and punished by the league and they play with a lot of speed they're a really fun team to watch yeah very young team as well which i think contributes to that speed looking at their stats garth um what i think is very impressive goals for uh at 49 through 12 games they're scoring you know a little over four goals per game which is a uh, third highest mark in the nhl right now with 49 goals scored um 13th in goals against so, you know, they're doing a decent job of keeping the puck out of the net. Although, like you said, I think that's less about the defense and more the fact Comrie has just been absolutely phenomenal so far. But the important thing, they're scoring. Their power play is great, 23.9%. Penalty kill leaves a little to be desired, 76.3%. So they're doing well five on five. But the thing I look at, Garth, the team at analytics. Uh, expected goals for versus expected goals against. The Sabres actually have more expected goals against at 266 than 25.4 expected goals for. So they actually should be giving up way more goals than they are, which I think, once again, kind of points out how great Comrie has been. But, you know, you're right. I think Darlene's been great. <clears throat> Thompson's been fantastic. 15 points to 12 games in, in that six-point game last week. I think Alex Tuck and uh, Jeff Skinner as well are, are around. Yeah. J.J. Paterka really stood out to me, too, in that game yeah. that we played against them. Yeah, absolutely. And Comrie, you know, stats don't actually jump off the page guard, funny enough, only an 894 save percentage, 3.39 goals against average. But like you said, he has had uh, multiple 40-plus save games. So clearly, I think the, the the defense is not doing him any favors over there in Buffalo. But Patrika, like you said, seven points in 12 games. He's only 21, Garth. And one thing I really like about this guy, um, just really solid, you know, just um, – only played two games last year, but, you know, he does not look like a uh, a nervous rookie or anything already. He's coming in and contributing right away. So Really good on the forecheck. Well, like Jacob says, like our boy Jacob Winters, what's up, Jacob says, go Red Wings. Um, well, that I division, you feel better, man. I know you've been under the weather, but we appreciate you hopping in here. Absolutely. Um, even if it's just for a second, you know, leave a comment and a like. We'd really appreciate that. But, um, yeah, the Red Wings second in the Atlantic. They're doing great. Obviously, no one expected the Bruins to get off to like a 10-2 and two start, although they did lose to the Maple Leafs a few nights ago. Um, we're going to get into the Leafs a little bit later when we discuss some injuries because it's not looking good for them in net once again. But, um, yeah, uh, you know, you're lighting and recovering. The Panthers have, have looked pretty steady throughout the year. Um, I still think the Senators can do better. I know they're last right now, but I really like their rush. I think they will get it going as the season goes along. So I don't think it's going to be easy for the Sinners to, or the uh, Sabres, excuse me. I just don't think the rush is quite there yet. I think their defense is poor. Their offense looks pretty promising. Um, but, you know, we do also have to say Garth Comrie is not a guy that's been a very consistent starter in the NHL as well either. He does not have a lot of starting experience, even though he has been in the league for a very long time. It's mostly been as a backup slash reserve guy. If we take a look at his uh, NHL stats, he's only played – 36 NHL games roughly up to this point in his career. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how he shoulders the burden of being the main goalie for that team. Um, you know, that's going to start to really wear on him as the season goes along. 
Yeah, it's uh, something he's not used to. So we'll see if he can, you know, shoulder that burden as, you know, we get deeper in the season. Our buddy James Montefusco saying, let's go Islanders. Islanders with a big game tonight, playing the Rangers like you mentioned earlier. And they're off to a solid 8-5 and five start, third in the Metro. The Rangers are off to a little bit of a slower start, but, they're you know, they're still hanging in there at a solid fourth in the Metro. And, Garth, speaking of the Metro, um, we're going to talk about the most disappointing team in all of the NHL. Uh, the good old retirement home, the team on my hat, the Pittsburgh Penguins. And as the episode is titled, the retirement home's dumpster fire, because what a shock. I could have told you this, Garth. This would happen. Oh, they got off to a great, you know, first four games. They were first in the Metro. And then what do you know? They start crashing down worse than a roller coaster, losing seven straight games. I believe, <coughs> Garth, that the exact record is like 0-6-1. So, hey, at least one of them went to OT. Great. But now they're four, six, and two. They're seventh in the Metro. Uh, this team is a joke. They can't defend at all. Um, you know my opinions on Crystal Tang. This is guy is a pylon, most overrated defenseman in NHL history. And um, you know, Garth, before I go on a rant, you know, just from an outside point of view, do you have any particular thoughts on what you've seen from the Penguins so far, and why they might be struggling? And I guess most importantly, do you think they can recover uh, from their absolutely terrible start so far? Yeah, so uh, what a what a tale of two halves in this first 10-11 uh, games that they've played. You know, like you said, they started off red hot, and all of a sudden we're like, wow, were we a little bit too harsh in the offseason on the Pittsburgh Penguins? And then just like that, they flipped the switch. Like you said, they've lost a bunch of games. When I look at them, you know, just going over the past couple of weeks for them, you know, you let up six goals to the Oilers, four to Calgary, five to the struggling Vancouver Canucks, three to the Seattle Kraken, who, yes. you know, is by no means a very uh, good team that scores a lot of goals. So, Although they do know, have a good record, I will say that, Garth. Uh, six goals to the Bruins, six goals to the Sabres, mm-hmm. and then most recently another three goals to the Seattle Kraken. So to me, it looks like you know, this team is really, really struggling on the defensive end of things and especially in goal, which surprises me a little bit because, you know, it might be a little uh, unpopular opinion, but I do like and have a big soft spot for who you guys have in that goalie room. Uh, but yeah, it looks like, you know, struggles probably across the board, but the defense and the goaltending is really, really making things tough on this team. It's hard to beat anybody when you're letting up you know, I think that probably averages out to like five or six goals a game. Uh, so unless you're the Edmonton Oilers and you can put up seven, eight, nine goals in a game easy if your offense is firing on all cylinders, which I think we both can agree that's not the type of team that the Pittsburgh Penguins are. Obviously, guys like Sidney Crosby are absolutely, you know, offensive phenoms, but you're not expecting that kind of performance out of Pittsburgh on a regular basis. So, you know, I think it's a combination of everything, but got to, Got to get it together at the blue line and in net first, and I think everything else will start to come together. Garth, I got a little question for you. Who do you think has the worst plus minus on the Penguins this year? Only because you're asking me, uh, and I. this is just a complete wild guess. I'm going to have to go with Chris Letang. Yeah, good old Chris Letang. Minus seven on the team to start the year, Garth, in the first 11 games now. Oh, but he does have seven points, but, you know, it doesn't really matter. This is what I've always said about Latang guard. It doesn't matter. He's good offensively. I'll give him that. No one will deny that. But when the guy's an absolute plug on the defensive side, turns the puck over, 
at incredibly high rates. Can't defend to save his life. We saw this in the Rangers series, like three or four turnovers <clears throat> every single game, Garth. Uh, just freaking left in the dust multiple times defensively. He's not a good defenseman anymore. He used to be good. Hey, look. I like the guy, okay? I remember when Chris Letang scored the game-winning goal to win the Stanley Cup Finals against the Sharks. He's a franchise legend. His jersey will be in the Raptors, but the guy is not good anymore. He sucks. They should never have given him that contract. Okay, I, get, I could get Malkin. Malkin could still produce a, big, a good bit, even though he's not the guy he used to be. But Tang's done. He's been done. People will look at the the fancy stats. Oh, you know, he had 70-something. He had like 68 points last year. He's still producing offensively. I don't care, Garth. I'd rather have a guy like your Mikhail Sergachev who doesn't put up those fancy offensive numbers but is a stud defensively. You know what I would have done the offseason, Garth? I would have let the Tang walk, and I would have called up Florida to get McKenzie Weger in because we know that guy's a defensive anchor. But instead, we still have Crystal Tang. He's going to have this contract until he's freaking 41 years old, which is just great. Um, good job by uh, Ron Hextall, former Philadelphia Flyers clown, and the job that he has done um, to keep these little fossils in place. But Garth, you know, I'm just I'm just ticked off because this team still has players on it. They're still scoring well, uh, 11th for goals for in the uh, the league with 42. But what do you know? The 25th in goals against their power play or their penalty kill sucks, 73.1 percent. Their power play and everything about their offense, their power play is 20 percent. They're still scoring. But here's a stat for you, guys. Sidney Crosby, 14 points in 12 games. He's still a minus one because that's how much we're leaking goals. Malkin, point per game, 12 and 12, still a minus one. Jake, Jake Gensel, 10 points in eight games. He's even. Our top guys don't even have good plus minuses because that's how badly we're leaking goals at the defensive end. You know who's been our best defenseman this year, Garth? Jan Ruda, who's a plus Good seven. Jan Ruda. Your boy. My guy. Which I like him. You know, he's a solid guy. But, Garth, when when this guy is severely outperforming your quote-unquote superstar defenseman who has a contract until he's 41, there's something wrong with your team's organization. Um, the offense is fine. Guys like Rust and Zucker, they're doing their jobs. Um, but the defense is terrible. The goaltending, oh, my God, Garth. <laughs> doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter if it's Tristan Jari. Doesn't matter if it's Casey DeSmith. Both are getting lit up worse than a Christmas tree. Both well over three goals against average per game. Barely above 900 save percentages. They're getting absolutely shelled back here. So, you know what? Uh, it's unfortunate. But, uh, you know, Garth, I predicted this. I told you this. I said if they made the playoffs... First of all, I almost had them completely out of the playoffs. I'm not saying they'll miss the playoffs now, but what did I tell you? <clears throat> they'll get in the playoffs as probably a wild card. They'll face a team like the freaking Hurricanes or the Rangers or the, uh, you know, maybe even the Bruins at this point or your light in the first round, and they'll get absolutely boat raced because they can't defend and their goaltending is terrible, which are the two most important parts of a team when it gets to the playoffs. So, um. It's unfortunate. Like you said, um, they've been getting shelled lately defensively. And look, I understand, right? You're playing the Oilers. They have McDavid and Drysdale. To give up six goals there, okay, I can get that. Van uh, Calgary, they're a good team as well. But when you're giving up five to a team like Vancouver, who's off to a terrible start, you lose two games to the Seattle Kraken, who 
fair enough. Like I said, they have a good record. The seven, four and two, they're off to a good start, but we all know they don't have a good roster. Use two games to them. You lose an, Oh, oh by the way, God, this is another ticker. This Boston game, this Boston game that went to overtime, they lost six, five. They were up five to two, I believe in the third period. And they lost the game because they choked once again, like another bird bird oriented team that I follow. The Atlanta Falcons did their best Falcons impression, choked and blew the game. They choked the Buffalo game as well. That was a close game. And all of a sudden they started leaking goals late in the game to lose six to three. Ah, man. Probably was reminiscent of some of those uh, Ranger playoff games from last postseason. Oh my, yeah! Don't get me started. They'd be, they'd be up three nothing. They'd be up four one. Doesn't matter. Five minutes later, you got to take a shit Garth in the bathroom. You come back, the game is tied. That's how bad they were at holding leads. What's crazy is when you look at the advanced stats. Honestly, they don't look by any means terrible. But I think the the hot start to the season really offsets how bad they've been. If you could take the advanced stats and limit it just to the losing streak, it probably would look much much worse. Than the overall season. Oh, Garth, I got one last one last bit of this rant that you're going to love. You know who scored the game-winning goal for the Seattle Kraken in the last game? Brandon Tanev. You know who yep, Brandon Tanev used to play for? The Pittsburgh Penguins. Yep. And that's not it, Garth. If I put this guy's face up real quick, look the at his man. freaking picture. He He's has the these mullet, crazy man. eyes. He has the mullet. He has the crazy eyes. This is the guy that embarrassed the Penguins <laughs> in their last game. But he Former looks like a creative player on NHL when you're just like messing around trying to make the, a goofy looking person. He looks like a guy that if you walked into an alley, you would not be sure if you came out alive. And this is the guy <laughs> that beat the Penguins who used to play for their team, man. This team's just an absolute clown show. Uh, expect the losing to continue. You know what? <clears throat> Lose 30 straight games. Let's get uh, Connor Bedard in here. Because we ain't doing jack in the playoffs. Going to the comments here. Tom Scavetta saying, James getting me riled up. Go eat yep. them fish A little sticks. bit of New York on New York violence in the comment section here. Uh, Jake tagging our boy Mike Aldridge. Get in here, Mikey. We're gonna t- we, we can even talk about your bolts if you want. Um, Ray Leo. What's up, Ray? Newcomer here. Welcome to the show. What's up, uh, you guys? To- Welcome to the show, man. You, you got to come on on the very first time I've lost my shit on this show because that does not happen often at all. Let's go, Devils. Hey, man, yeah, we really talked about him really good time to week. be a New Jersey Devil fan. We talked about him last week. Very surprising start for the Devils. So we'll see if they can keep it up. But moving on to the next topic, the injury roundup. I got a little uh, NHL.com article I'm going to share on the screen, Garth, that we could take a look at real quick uh, just to go over some major injury news uh, that's come up lately. We'll even put it up full screen real quick. And we will start with the first story uh, here, which is about our guy, Garth, Josh Norris. Very solid player, scored 35 goals for the Senators last season. Got that big eight-year extension, or excuse me, contract, because he technically was a free agent in the offseason at almost 8 mil a year, just a little bit below at 7.95 AAV on July 15th. But he had a bit of an injury scare with the season, Garth, with his shoulder injury, and luckily... It looks like he will not need surgery for it. Uh, Pierre Dorian, the Senators GM, said that the forward consulted with five doctors and two shoulder specialists who recommended continued rehab with him being evaluated in January. He has two points in five games, um, but he said he, or Dorian said that Norris was comfortable with this path because surgery likely would have ended his season. 
Um, yeah, good news for them because that's a guy that if they can get back provides an instant boost to that offense. Um, and, and they could use it, honestly, because I think some of their top scorers on the season are kind of the guys that were uh, not really expected to shoulder the burden in terms of offensive production. Guys like, you know, Shane Pinto, uh, Claude Giroux, or as ESPN <laughs> likes to say, Mr. Jerry I even think Stutzla is not really off to, I wouldn't say a bad start, but he by no means is lighting it up. Um, you know, so that would be a huge boost to that offense if they can get him back. Yeah, no, they, um, Artem Zub, one of the defensemen as well, is also out for four games because of an upper body injury. But um, shout out to the centers, by the way, Garth. They lost the last game to the Flyers 2-1, to one, so I appreciate you guys helping us out, um, let, letting the freaking Flyers win a game. But um, like we said, they are 4-7-0, so not a great start to the year for them. Um, I don't even, like, if you look at the stats, like the 18th in goals for, 13th in goals against, it's not like they're playing atrocious or anything. Their power play is okay at 18.4. Actually, <laughs> but, uh, a former Lightning player, and uh, Matthew Joseph has been pretty good for them. I noticed yeah. him a lot when we played them. Uh, yeah, he's a plus uh, six on the year, so he's doing obviously great. Obviously, to Chuck, we talked about him. But One guy who's see. been a little bit of a letdown for me for them has been uh, their big offseason addition, Alex DeBrinkett. DeBrinkett, nine points in 11 games, but only two goals. Um, see, this is kind of like the Penguins thing, Garth. They're scoring fine. Look at look at Kachuk in particular. 16 points in 11 games played, phenomenal offensive production, but he's still a minus four. Matheson's point per game, he's a minus eight. These guys are still leaking goals. They need to get that going. And, you know, I think a big reason for this, and we mentioned this on our Sportsbox season preview show, Anton Forsberg's their goalie. He had a good season last year, but for the most part in his career guard, he's been a backup. And so far this year, 898 save percentage, 3.58 goals against average. Ain't going to cut it. So, you know, I think getting Norris back is big for their offense, no doubt. I think it'll really improve their scoring if <laughs> a guy with that natural goal-scoring ability that we've seen is backfiring all cylinders. But if they can't defend, I don't know if it'll matter. And I think that's that's what pretty much everyone identified with the centers in the season, in the preseason. Good offense, what can their defense do? And so far, it's not been great for them. Moving on, <clears throat> our buddy Ray will not like this one. Uh, New Jersey Devils goalie. Mackenzie Blackwood out indefinitely with a knee injury. He was injured in the second period after having two goals on 18 shots at the Oilers on November 3rd. However, one thing that makes his injury a lot more manageable, Garth, our buddy Vitek Vanacek, who was on my team of the week last week, has been absolutely phenomenal. And in this game, he actually came in, made 18 saves in relief for a 4-3 win. Um, it is an MCL sprain, so yeah, definitely not a good injury to, to have, Garth. But New Jersey at the time of this article, 9-3-0, and have won six straight games for the first time since March through April of 2012, Garth. For a reminder, 2012, the uh, Devils made the Stanley Cup Finals. So that was a pretty good year for them, and they lost to the Red Hot Kings in six games. But, um, <laughs> look, if that's what's in store for them this year, I know Devils fans would definitely take that. Um, but Vanacek has been great. Blackwood did play 25 yeah, games last year. Blackwood was off to a hard, hot start to this season, but uh... – Vita Vanacek has also been absolutely phenomenal so far. So I think that this is something that, you know, sucks for New Jersey Devils. But at the same time, at least you've got a completely competent guy to step up and and shoulder that burden until he can make it back. 
And um, Ray saying, I am actually okay with this. I am no way a fan of Blackwood. He cannot stay healthy. His comments about why he came back last year were selfish. And I think this is the thing as well, Garth. You know, like you said, having Vanacek there, uh, it makes it a lot more manageable for him. Jonathan Bernier is also an LTIR as he recovers from right hip surgery. So that's another option out for them. Add uh, Palat to the injury list as well. And they have a couple major injuries. But Vanacek will definitely have to carry the load now. And I think he will. I think, you know, I know he hasn't played <laughs> a ton in the NHL. He has 86 career games played. But from the bits I've seen, um, I do think he's a little bit, maybe a little bit inconsistent, but he's also not playing behind a fantastic defense. So I think he can have a pretty solid season for the Devils. I mean, we'll see what happens, obviously, but they're going to have to do it without Blackwood. So we'll see what happens. Moving on to another team with a goalie, except this team is in nowhere near as good a position, the Chicago Blackhawks. Goalie Peter Mrazek was activated off of injured reserve, and goalie Alex Stalock placed an IR retroactive to November 1st. Um, I don't know if you have any major thoughts on this one, Garth. We haven't talked a ton about the Blackhawks because, let's be honest, uh, they are not very good at all. Uh, Their roster is terrible. Mrazek, talented guy, I think. But he hasn't gotten a ton of opportunities in net since he left Detroit. He's been a bit inconsistent, kind of bounced around a bit. But um, I don't think it's going to really affect their team a whole lot because I don't think their team's very good in the first place. But um, I guess getting them back, uh, it's better than better than uh, Staylock, I guess, who's you know basically been a career backup. Yeah. So this one's a little bit interesting to me because. Staylock actually was had been playing pretty well so far this season, um, you know, and then he's going to be replaced by, like you said, like a guy who's kind of bounced around the league, uh, not really ever been a true number one guy. Uh, but, you know, the expectations for this team are not very high. Um, so, you know, I don't think it necessarily hurts them. They're just going to have to keep the ship afloat and, decide whether or not they're going to make an all-out push for Connor Bedard or not because, mm-hmm. as we all know, this team needs a lot. I'm surprised that Patrick Kane is still there, uh, but I think he's dead set on the fact that he wants to retire as the all-time record holder for all the major scoring categories. Um, but, yeah, he's just got to keep the ship afloat and not uh, flat-out suck, which I think he can he can manage. Yeah, and, you know, it is interesting. Stay like was doing well, 914 save percentage in the games he played. Um, Morassi did struggle with an 873 save percentage, but he only played three games. So um, we'll see if he comes back and does well. But like you said, guard, bounced around the league. Uh, since he left Detroit, he's been on Philadelphia. He's with Carolina for three years, and he was on Toronto last season. But he has not had a season with more than 50 games played, guard, uh, since 2016-17 season. So we'll see what happens there. But moving on, and this is probably the biggest, I think, news story we'll cover injury-wise this week. Ilya Samsonov of the Toronto Maple Leafs placed on IR with a knee injury uh, Sunday and expected to miss at least a week. So at least it's not a major, you know, three-month injury or that anything like that. But because Matt Murray was already injured guard, they're going to be turning to Eric Calgren in net, I believe it is. They also um, had to call up a reserve goalie. Uh, Keith Petruzzelli, what a name that is, to serve as the backup goalie. Um, Calgren, from what I've seen, Garth, has actually been pretty good. In fact, when I was throwing together my team of the week, 
Uh, he was one of the save percentage leaders of the past week, so at least he wasn't doing terrible or anything like that. Um, he has a 904 save percentage on the season, which for a guy with as little experience as he has, actually isn't terrible. 2.76 goals against average. Luckily, if Samsonov is only out a week, and I think I saw Matt Murray is returning to practice soon as well. So, you know, if they can just stay afloat for a week, I think they're starting to get their team <coughs> better, you know, firing on all cylinders a little bit more. But like it says at the very bottom, Murray is expected to return soon. So do you have any thoughts on, on the Samsonov injury guard and kind of the, you know, Maple Leafs goaltending situation for, you know, the, the short future, I guess? Yeah, so this team is pretty banged up in all honesty. Uh, you know, not just Samsonov, uh, but also uh, Lilligren, I believe, is injured. I don't know the severity of that. Uh, Austin Matthews is battling kind of an ongoing, I don't really know if injury is the correct word to use, but he's having some issues with his wrists where, uh, you know, he's kind of having to get rehab on them on a regular basis to stay playing and not miss games. Uh, Matt Murray will be back soon, thankfully for them. You know, really, it, it'll be interesting to see how they handle this goaltending situation. I think if it if it's good enough to keep them in games, a position to win most of these games, because obviously the expectations for this team are still very high. They want to be in the Stanley Cup Finals, make no doubt about it. Uh, if it's good enough to keep them afloat, then there'll be a team that I think is quiet around the trade deadline. Uh, should Matt Murray come back, re-injure, not really play that well. They kind of have some struggles in net. I would keep an eye on the Maple Leafs to be a team in play for a goalie come trade deadline. Yeah, hopefully, you know, ideally those guys can come back and stay healthy. But, you know, you're right. These are guys that both of them have, unfortunately, bad injury histories. And we're already seeing that this season. So if they get injured again, Toronto will have to evaluate their choices for sure. <laughs> Ray saying the Maple Leafs as a whole are as big of a mess as the goaltending situation. Well, like I said, they start off the season terrible, but they've actually gone on a decent stretch, and now they're 7-4-2, <clears throat> which is good enough for third in the Atlantic. They are currently playing the Vegas Golden Knights right now, Garth, and are tied at 1-1 one one against them. We all know the Knights are the hottest team in the West right now at 11-2. Yeah, despite uh, the goaltending question marks, this team <laughs> is still loaded top to bottom. Yeah, no question, especially offensively. Uh, Nikos Waugh, the goal scorer for the Vegas Golden Knights, and the defenseman, the young defenseman, Timothy Lilligren, the scorer for the Maple Leafs. So we will see if they win that game. But moving on, Garth, um, we don't just have injuries to talk about. We have a couple of, unfortunately, <laughs> knucklehead suspensions to talk about. And first, we're going to talk about this man who has no, no fear of getting into controversial situations. And, you know, it's funny, Garth. I feel like it was only like two or three weeks ago I was talking about Matt Kachuk, and I was basically saying, you know, he seems to be doing stupid shit at, at a far less, far lower rate than he used to do. And then what does he do a week or two later? He suspended two games, forget this, poking Kings goalie Jonathan Quick in the face with his stick. Um, what an idiot. I mean, there's not much to really say here. I think the guy's very talented. He was an elite player last year big piece of the trade <coughs> that involved Jonathan Huber on winger, uh, McKenzie Weger going to Calgary Flames. But this is dumb. I mean, Garth, this is the thing I was saying. You know, if he can keep this in check, we all know he has the talent. But this is a guy that basically now is the franchise centerpiece of the Florida Panthers. And this is not what you want to be seeing from your franchise guy uh, doing dumb stuff like this. So, I mean, 
first of all, Garth, uh, did you see this? And what were your reactions when you saw it? And overall, what do you think about the suspension link as well? Because that's something we always have to discuss. Yeah, so I did see this. Absolutely stupid on his part. Um, you know, it, it's a guy who's an elite offensive weapon in the NHL right now in the prime of his career, goal-scoring, point-scoring machine on a absolutely loaded Florida Panthers roster. Their offense looks insane again so far this season. Um, but, you know, I think at some point or another, whether it was this game or not, a suspension was coming because he's been doing a lot of questionable things so far this season, things that you just kind of say, like, come on, you, you know, you didn't need to do that. You're lucky they kind of turned – the other way, I actually sent you and our good buddy Mikey Mickey Mouse Bradley a video of when we played them a few weeks ago uh, in Sunrise, where he laid a good hit on Nikita Kucherov. You know, kudos to him. Like I said at the time, I had no problem with the hit. That's part of hockey. Uh, Kucherov fell to the ice, very obviously was in pain, and he kept going at him. You know, hitting him in the back of the head with a stick, punching the guy in the face pretty much while he was down on the ice. You know, it's just the extracurricular stuff like that, especially in regular season games. You know, I get it a little bit more come postseason because there's so much on the line for these guys. Um, but, you know, like you said, it's just it's a part of his game that he's got to learn to clean up, um, you know, so that he's not in a lot of trouble uh, getting suspension, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, as far as, you know, the suspension amount, you know, pretty much two to three games is kind of what the NHL sticks with, unless it's something like absolutely absurd. So, you know, just based on how they rule other stuff, I think it's, you know, pretty fair punishment for what happened. Um, but yeah, I would just like to see him clean it up because this is a dude who's so good offensively. But the more you start to do stuff like this and it gets caught in like the, you know, the, the spotlight of the NHL when you get suspended, you know, it just kind of casts a bad shadow over you as a player. Um, you know, there's a lot of players that we know that you say good player, but we don't like them or don't really cheer so hard for them because of their extracurriculars. Um, you know, guys like Ryan Reeves, even a uh, guy I like, Mart Martin Lucic, who does some questionable things. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I would just like to see him clean it up personally. Yeah, and I think, you know, a couple more names could add to the list. Guys like Tom Wilson and Brad Marchand yeah, as well. Marchand. And I think Bray sums it up perfectly here. He needs to be on the ice. He can't be sitting in the press box because of dumb things like this. Definitely. Look, this is the thing. It's not like Kachuk is a terrible player. He has 17 points in 12 games. Five goals. I mean, he's absolutely killing it. Plus six. He's showing why he's an elite player. But for a Florida team that wants to win right now, by the way, because, you know, that was, you know, a signal for him. They trade away Huberto because they thought he was too old. They trade away defenseman. To get this superstar guy for the next few years, you know, this is their centerpiece. This is their franchise. They're 7-5-1 right now. They're fourth in the Atlantic. This isn't a team that <clears> – it's not the same team like last year that was just absolutely blitzing the regular season. This is their guy. And, you know, you put him along other guys on the team like your boy, Carter Verhage, who's point per game this year. He's, He's playing been really good. Montour He's been an absolute tear since last year, especially postseason. Mm -hmm. And he's still only 27, which is crazy to think about because this is a guy that, you know, feels like he's been in the league for 10 years now. But um, he's doing well. Montour's been phenomenal on the defensive line. And obviously Barkov's still there. Um, I think the main thing I, I'd be concerned with him is, you know, is Bobrovsky really going to 
can he keep it up in the regular season? I mean, we're not even going to talk about the postseason because we know once and once it gets there, uh, he melts down. How but much can he keep per it night up? will we see as well? Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm thinking. If you know, the problem with Bobrovsky is he does have that 10 million plus contract or whatever it is. So I don't know exactly if they'll bench him, but they're going to start thinking about their options. I think if he doesn't start picking it up, because from the bits of night that we've seen, Garth. Uh, he does have a 908 career save percentage, which isn't terrible for a guy that's, first of all, he's only 21, which is crazy to think how young he is considering he's played 40 NHL games already. But he's actually been pretty decent uh, when he's come in. Another guy to keep an eye on guard that I always forget to mention, but you always mention, Anton Lundell, still yeah, only 21. He's going to be an absolute monster the, the more he develops. So we'll see how it goes for the Panthers. But, um, yeah, I think Ray was right on the money. Uh, he needs to stop doing this dumb stuff. It's one thing when you're like 2021 20, and doing this stuff, you know, it happens sometimes, but this guy is now like 24, 25. He's, he's the superstar franchise piece of his, of his, of his, of his franchise pretty much. And he's still doing it. So look, we, we know this is a guy that he's going to be due for a penalty, a minor penalty every game or two, something like that. That's just, that's just his MO, but you know, stuff like this, uh, he's got to knock it off. Next guy, uh, definitely not as high-profile player, but this is another guy that has a, a bit of a reputation. This is actually into... the one I was thinking about last night. Yeah, Josh Jones. Anderson, forward of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, suspended two games for boarding Vegas Golden Knights defenseman Alex Petrangelo on Saturday. Josh Anderson was given a major penalty and a game misconduct, ejected from, from the game for boarding Alex Petrangelo. And look, guard, this is the thing. He's boarding you know, injuries or penalties or whatever. They're very dangerous because you're talking about checking the guy basically from behind in the back into the boards, which those boards do not move Garth. If a human face goes into those, you know, what's moving you, your face is getting reconstructed because the only way you're basically destroying the glass Garth is if you fire a 110 mile per hour slap shot directly at it, and then it'll probably eviscerate it. But, yeah, boarding a guy into the glass like that uh, is not cool. He was boarded in the sideboards from behind after the defenseman had already given up the puck. Um, like I said, Anderson did receive an ejection. He will miss their games against Detroit tonight and Vancouver tomorrow. Um, he has two goals and five points in 12 games this season. But funny enough, Garth, not a coincidence at all. Second on the Canadians with 19 penalty minutes already. Uh, he's 28. He's a definitely a veteran. Third season in Montreal, so he was on that uh, team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals. But yeah, uh, two suspensions already handed out, which seems pretty crazy considering we're only like 10 games into the season so far. Uh, just stupid. Someone can get severely hurt doing stuff like this. Luckily, I didn't see anything about Paternjo getting hurt because I feel like that would be mentioned, and if he was, I feel like the suspension would be a lot more than two games. But, I mean, you could really, really hurt someone doing this guard. So, you know. Yeah, this was a really bad one. It happened right near the benches, actually. It caused a massive brawl. Uh, both teams going at it. But, yeah, terrible, terrible play by Josh Anderson on this one. Like you said, boarding is very dangerous. Uh, you're defenseless. You're going into a very hard object, usually face first. Mm -hmm. um, the best way I can think of to describe it or equate it for anybody in here who doesn't you know, maybe you're just tuning in to, to tune into me and know and you don't really follow hockey uh, super closely is kind of like targeting in football where a guy just blatantly mm -hmm. 
you know, like flies through the air and it makes helmet to helmet contact. That's kind of the most similar thing I can think of in the sports world. Um, you know, a lot of guys get hurt. This is, this is uh, something in hockey where guys tend to usually get hurt really badly. And thankfully I haven't heard um, much on Alex uh, being badly hurt. So that's good to know. But yeah, I think he's lucky and fortunate that he only got two games because this one was bad. It was blatant and it was right there in front of everybody. Yeah, and Ray's saying Josh Anderson should have gotten more than two games as clearly intended to injure. And I, I agree with uh, Ray and Ugard. I, I think it was stupid. I think it was reckless. Um, like Ray says, they're probably intentional. I mean, you can never completely, like, delve into a guy's mind and think exactly what he's thinking right. But, I mean, it's hard to look at something that dumb and that dangerous and not think that it wasn't intentional. So, uh, I definitely agree. I think two games was light. Um, I think what Kajuk did was nowhere near as bad, and they got the same suspension. Like, don't get me wrong, what Kajuk did was stupid, but poking a, a stick in someone's face is not going to do the same damage to somebody, unless you poke them in the eye, maybe, as boarding a guy at 800 miles per hour right into the glass and potentially, you know, severely injuring them. So, like you said, uh, most important thing, glad Alex is okay. A really solid player, um, big Big player for the Vegas Golden Knights this year who are doing great, so glad he's not injured. But um, stupid play. That, that's really all I can say about it. Now, moving on to our final segment, because uh, we blitzed through the show uh, pretty well, actually. Um, I don't have any picks prepared yeah. for this. Oh, go ahead. Somehow we finally didn't get a Tuesday where we got multiple like breaking news <laughs> on a Tuesday leading up to the show. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. If you guys are new to our show, Literally, like, every Tuesday, like, the day of our show, like, two or three hours before our show, some major, like, breaking news will come out that we weren't prepared for at all, that wasn't part of the show's schedule, that makes our show go overtime, because it's just too important to miss. So, luckily, like Gar said, that has not happened this week. So, we're actually probably ahead of schedule. Um, I did not prepare any games for us to pick this week because I thought, you know, we'd take a little longer on those segments. But um, just a quick recap. Um, I counted the picks recently. Garth Garth had a rough time. He had a rough time in the last week of October, man. He went 2-8 and overall. He now has a losing record at 17-18. I did not do much better, but at least I went 500 at 5-5. and Yeah, you guys are going to have to start referring to me as Mario Cristobal unless I can prove that overall record. (laughs) Yeah, you, you're uh, with your what losing career record? Is that it? Yeah, it's uh, it's not a good time to be uh, the U fan, as they like to call, it, because they did get absolutely boat raced by Florida State last weekend, like forty-five to three. So yeah, rumor has it Mike Aldridge was actually in his uh, yard riding a horse and throwing spears into the air. He was so ec- ecstatic over that win. Yeah, we all know our buddy Mike loves his horses, after all. So. You know, it is what it is. But regardless, uh, enough inside references. We're going to get to our final segment, our favorite segment, which is Team of the Week. Real quick, if you are new to the show, <coughs> just a, a quick recap of Team of the Week. Obviously, like the name says, uh, we do this every single week. This is the fourth time we're doing it since the season has started. Garth and I pick three forwards, two defensemen, and one goalie. So just like a team, <coughs> the six players that we believed were the best players of the past week. Um, you can do whatever you want. You can pick three centers. You can pick three wingers. It doesn't matter. For the most part, I like to pick two wingers and centers like it is an actual team. 
But like, if there's some guy that was so ungodly good that you just can't keep him out, you know, it's supposed to be the best players overall for the week. So you can basically do whatever you want. Um, another rule I try to follow, I try to do one player per team, but there are sometimes that's impossible. Like last week, I just had to put both McDavid and Drysidle on because, the, you know, they're, they're it's hard to separate them at this point. They're just both so absolutely incredible together. And they were absolutely incredible this week as well. So, you know, we'll see if they did make our teams of the week. But Garth, uh, we'll go ahead and start with yours um, as I go ahead and put this up for a moment. But real quick before I do that, I did ask you a question earlier today. And I want your opinions on it. And if anyone's watching and you want to guess who this player is, um, if you've seen our teams of the week in the past, you might have a decent guess of who it could be. After week four, this is including the ones we have not revealed yet. So Garth doesn't know who's on mine. I obviously I know who's on his. But um, after week four, ten players have appeared on our teams of the week twice, but only one player has done it three times. That's between both our teams, by the way. So one player has p- appeared collectively on our teams of the week three times. Who is it now, Garth? I know you thought about this a little earlier, and you came to a guess pretty quickly. So who do you think it could be? Yeah, so firstly, I'm going to be really disappointed if I'm, like, completely wrong with this one because as soon as I started thinking about it, uh, I was pretty confident in who I came up with. I'm going to go ahead and go with a defenseman by the name of Eric Carlson of the San Jose Sharks. I knew for sure that I had him twice, and he has been absolutely phenomenal so far this season. So I knew if I've had him twice, Noah – has to have had him at least once to add up to that magic number of three. Well, if your uh, guess is correct, that means he would be on my team of the week for this week. So we'll have to see if that is the case. Ray saying the Oilers were good except for seven seconds. Yeah, they're uh, their defense, man. You know, I still don't think it's great, but uh, they're outscoring everybody. We'll see if that can carry over to the postseason, which from what we've seen from them over the entirety of McDavid's career, it does not. But um, anyway, our teams of the week. Garth, I will go ahead and put yours up first. Uh, Jamie Benn, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, your guy, Nikita Kuch- Kucherov. Eric Carlson, like you said, has been on yours twice now. Hampus Lindholm of the Boston Bruins. And Ilya Sorokin in net, who's been absolutely phenomenal. Had four games played last week and was an absolute stud. Honorable mentions, Timo Meyer of the San Jose Sharks. Obviously, Kel McCarr of the Avalanche. And Scott Wedgwood of, I believe, the Dallas Stars is the team he's on this year. So, Garth, you know, go ahead and take away. Walk us through your team of the week selections and why you picked all these guys. Yeah, so first and foremost, there on the top left, Jamie Benn of the Dallas Stars. This is a guy who, if you guys are just tuning in, you don't know this, but me and Noah both very, very critical of him as well as Seguin uh, this offseason when we're previewing what to expect out of the Dallas Stars. You know, he's a guy who, over the course of his career, has been a very solid player for that Dallas Stars franchise last year. Definitely uh, did not play up to the level that we're used to seeing out of him. And for a team that managed to make playoffs, you know, kind of a letdown for him on their part. Um, He's definitely picked it up this season. So a combination of just the fact that he's back to kind of what we expect to see from him there in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the past week, uh, four goals, four assists, eight points, plus minus of three, uh, you know, so just the one point off of keeping even pace with Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, you know, that's that's nothing to shake your head at. Really, really good. 
over the past week. And that whole, honestly, that whole Dallas Stars forward group, Noah, has been really good. A lot of names were sticking out to me. Uh, Jason Robertson just barely missed my list this week. Um, you know, and then another guy, Rupe Hints, he's also been phenomenal over the course of the past mm -hmm. week. So very well could have been another forward on the Dallas Stars. I try my best, like you said, to limit it to one per team, though. Uh, moving on, top dead center, Leon Dreisaitl, who actually, now that I think of it, he very well could be the guy as well. That would be my second best guess to Eric Carlson. Um, the reason why I elected to go with him, Noah, over Connor McDavid, because they were dead even in terms of scoring, was ultimately the fact that in the plus-minus category, he was at four, Connor McDavid at two. So he had him beat there by two. Uh, goes to show that maybe his line might be playing just a tad bit better than Connor McDavid's, at least over the course of the past week. So he edged him out there for the center position. Moving on to the right wing, a guy who you guys should know at this point, especially after seeing the hat and the jersey week in, week out, Nikita Kucherov, the Russian rifle, like I've been telling you, Noah, is firing red hot. I know that this is based solely off of stats of the last week, but the fact that he is on a 10-game point streak, 19 points over the course of 10, I believe he's on like a five or six goal streak as well. Uh, this dude is red hot right now. He is a point machine. Fun fact, last season he was second in points per game average in the entire NHL, only to Connor McDavid himself. So this is a guy who knows how to get assists. He can score goals. Uh, so I just I couldn't leave him off the list this week between the bias and the fact that he is playing lights out right now. Um, landed him the third and final spot there in the forward group. Moving on to defense. This is where things got really tricky for me. It was really, really hard uh, to narrow it down just to the two guys that I had. And a lot of guys just barely edged each other out to get these two spots for me. Um, mm -hmm. I had to go with Eric Carlson. This dude just will not let up. You know, I've been seeing memes all over social media. Everybody's talking about Kale McCarr, you know, won all these trophies. Everybody's talking about him, and everybody wrote off Carlson, and he's too old, and the Sharks suck, yada, yada, yada. This dude has turned a deaf ear to everything, and he still is on a tear. Four goals, four assists, eight points, a plus uh, four in the plus-minus category. He's just been doing it all for the San Jose Sharks team, a very large part and why they've actually been winning some games and not just flat out, you know, sucking and losing every game that they play. Uh, yes. So I, I couldn't leave him off my list. Second place, and as I told you now earlier in the day, this is where it was really, really hard just to pick one guy and narrow it down. Uh, Kale McCarr got my honorable mention. The only reason why I elected to go with Lindholm over Kale McCarr is he did have one more point, and the plus-minus wasn't there. Uh, but what I did really, really like out of him is he was uh, hitting really well, and he had a lot of block shots as well. So, you know, not quite the scoring presence that we saw in Kale McCarr over the past week, mm -hmm. but he definitely was getting it done on the other end of the ice. So he got the nod there for me. And then, like you said, they're in goal for the New York Islanders. The not-so-young-as-people-might-think Russian the third leg in that Shesterkin, Vasilevsky, Sorokin, Russian trio of starting goalies in the NHL. Ilya Sorokin, absolutely phenomenal. I think a large part of why this New York Islanders team is 
off to a pretty good start to the season and overachieving, if you were to ask me. Um, but yeah, that is my team of the week, guys. Uh, other honorable mentions, Meyer and Wedgwood. As you guys might not know, Wedgwood is the other goalie there in Dallas opposite the Otter, Jake Ottinger, and he was on an absolute tear over the past week. He almost got in there, but I had to show some love for the Isles fans out there. And for the Russian goalie fans, Ilya Sorokin got the nod. Yeah, no, Sorokin's a stud. And, you know, I know I, I think he's a bit overshadowed because, like you said, a lot of great goalies in the league, even from his own country, in um, Vasilevsky and Shesterkin. But he's a monster. He's a 9.33 save percentage this year, 9.25 career. Um, like you said, he is older than people. I think he's 27. Uh, he came in the league when he's 25. But um, clearly he's very well seasoned from playing for years in the KHL because the guy's been an absolute stud from game one. He's a big part of the reason why the Islanders are off to a solid start. Uh, ben, like you said, I've always been critical. Well, not always, but last season, him and Sagan really underachieved. So that's something we highlighted a lot. But credit to them. Uh, Ben's been phenomenal. Sagan, I don't think, has been quite as good. But last time I checked, he was roughly point per game. Robertson's been an animal. So, you know, definitely a, a solid choice there with Ben. Dry Seidel. Needs no explanation. This guy is the most underappreciated superstar in the league simply because he plays behind Connor McDavid. He's a bit like Malkin, where this guy last season scored 55 goals and had 55 assists for 110 points. And it seems like barely anyone mentioned it because he's on the same team as, as the greatest hockey player in the world right now in Connor McDavid. But make no mistake, if this guy was on literally any other team, I'd say he'd be the undisputed best player. Absolutely. On at least, on at least, I'd like say ninety percent. The dude is overshadowed just for the pure sake that he plays uh, the second line behind a guy named Connor McDavid. Yeah, absolutely. Kucherov, uh, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. This guy, obviously, you know very well, so I won't delve into he, it too he much. Actually, not to interrupt you, Noah, but he just got another assist on a goal scored by Brandon Hagel. Lightning are tied one-one towards the end of the first period with the Edmonton Oilers. Well, there you go. Um, Lindholm had a solid week as well. Um, I'm going to get a, a little bit more into Carlson in a second, Garth, but we do have a couple of comments coming in. <clears throat> Sorokin does not get talked about enough. Yeah, we, we just talked about that. Absolutely agree on that with that, Ray. While Sorokin made the list, he did. He had a phenomenal week. He had four games played in a save percentage way above 900, so great week for him. Good old Ryan Reynolds just got a standing ovation at the Yeah, he's in talks to uh, – if he can get the financial backing to uh, – purchase that team yeah I, I heard something about that actually which is interesting um obviously their former owner eugene melnick did pass away about last march rest in peace but uh we'll, we'll see what they do there uh, tom saying i like wedgwood as an honorable mention yeah for a guy that's a backup like gar said to otter coming into as well as he did uh very impressive but i'm gonna go ahead and get into my team of the week uh and as always garth it seems like every week there's a bit of similarity but there's a bit of difference as well so i'm gonna go ahead and put mine up gone on a bit of a different direction in some ways. First of all, Robertson, this was basically a coin flip guard because, like you said, both Ben and Robertson were great. Both have eight points in three games. Uh, the only reason I went with Robertson over Ben is plus minus. Uh, Robertson was a plus four, whereas Ben was a plus three. Uh, so literally, it's like the most minor difference ever, pretty much. But I ended up giving a slight nod to Robertson. Plus, Robertson is... I think it's a little more impressive what he's doing because um, he's 10 years younger. He's, you know, a very young superstar, whereas Ben is a veteran. I kind of expect him 
to play at a high level. I mean, obviously, I don't expect to put up eight points every three games for the entire season. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's special to watch what Robertson is doing. So I just barely gave it to Robertson over Ben on that one. Next, I went with Nathan McKinnon. Um, I went a little, first of all, um, I went a little bit of a different direction, Garth. I think we have a little bit of a different philosophy on this, which is great. You know, it, it opens up some discussion, opens up some different teams. You seem to go for a pure production, as in who got the most points over the week, which is why you went with uh, Drysidle, who had nine points in four games, and McDavid was right there as well. And I do have both of them as honorable mentions because they were phenomenal. But the reason I went with guys like Robertson and McKinnon over both of those guys is they had similar production, but they did it in less games. Drysdale and McDavid had nine points in four games, whereas Robertson had eight in only three. And get this, Garth, McKinnon had seven points in only two games. I will say, no, he was very, very close to making my list. I definitely took a long look at McKinnon. Yeah, it was tough. And, look, I didn't even know this before I made my team, Garth, but I believe the three stars of the week were actually Robertson, McKinnon, and Carlson. So, um Apparently, they, uh, the NHL award people or whatever you want to call them, um, I guess they had a similar mindset uh, to me as well on that one. But, yeah, seven points of two games for McKinnon, a plus six. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. This guy's a stud. That He got that much-deserved contract upgrade because he was on the biggest steal in the NHL contract-wise for felt like years. So McKinnon and Robinson just barely edged out McK- uh, McDavid and Saddle because they had similar stats but in less games played. Kucherov needs no explanation. This guy's a stud. Eight points in three games, like you said, plus three. Um, guy's a very gifted sniper. And like you said, he just got another assist. So who knows? Uh, he might be on our team of the week next week, but he's been incredible. I'm going to leave Carlson for last because I have a lot to say about this guy. Cal McCarr, best defenseman in the league. Uh, I was really close with Hampus Lindholm, like you said, but I just gave it to McCarr in, in a tight one for a few reasons. First of all, I think um, – like I said, with guys like McKinnon and Robertson, uh, McCarr did had similar production, but in less games. Lindholm had six points in four games, whereas McCarr had five and only two. Uh, McCarr was also a plus six compared to a plus three for Lindholm. Um, so this one was very close, but I ended up giving the edge to McCarr. And I also went in a different way uh, with the goalie because while well, you went with Sorokin, who had four games played and played great, um, he did have a um, 9.33 save percentage. I went in a different direction because Villa Huso guards only played two games compared to Sorokin's four. However, in those two games, he faced 60 shots and only allowed one goal, which equates to a 9.83 save percentage over the last two games of the week, as well as a shutout. So just absolute dominance from Billy Husso in his last two games. So going in a bit of a di- different direction, different philosophy slash ideology, whatever you want to call it there. I just thought this guy was way too dominant in those two games to leave him off of the list. Although, obviously, you can't go wrong with Sorokin or anybody else. Carter Hart was also an honorable mention basically for the same thing as Husso. He had two games played, but a 973 save percentage, so, so a little bit lower. So he just barely lost out. Already mentioned McDavid and Drysdale. Now, Eric Carlson, Garth, who your answer to this question was correct. Eric Carlson, of all people, is the only player to appear on our teams of the week three times. Been at ten players who have appeared two times. In fact, I can I can read them out right now. McDavid, Panarin, Kucherov, Kachuk, Tage Thompson, Drysdale, um, Darlene, Connor Clifton, Brandon Montour, and Jake Ottinger are the ten other players to appear on our teams of the week two times. 
But Eric Carlson is the only one so far to do it three times because, my God, Garth, this has been one of the greatest redemption stories I have ever seen. Like you said, this is a guy – and, look, we said it as well. We can't, we can't pretend we didn't say it and you know be all innocent. We said it as well. This guy's a bad contract. He's not producing. He's on a crap team. You know, he's not getting it done. But this season, and especially last week, Garth, I'm going to get his stats up for last week. Um, first of all, you know, the guy is consistently producing. He was on your team of the week last week. He was almost on mine as well. But three games played this week, Garth, four goals and four assists for eight points. He's also a plus four, which I think is ridiculous considering he's on the Sharks, who are not a good team at all. Um, he is actually, I'm going to check something real quick, Garth, but I believe he could actually be the lead. Yes, he is the leading defenseman point scorer in the NHL with 19 points in 14 games so far this year. The next closest is Darlene with 15. He has 10 goals scored in 14 games played, which for a forward would be ridiculous for a defenseman is otherworldly. He does only have a plus two because he is on the sharks, but Garth, I got to put my hands up, man. I mean, for a guy that pretty much everyone thought was finished, was done, whatever you want to call it, he's been the best defenseman in the NHL so far this season. I don't even think it's close. He's been on a completely other level, and I love to see it. I love to see these guys that come out of nowhere, basically proving everybody wrong, redeeming himself a bit, I'd say, because the the past few years he's been a bit injury-riddled, and even when he's been healthy, he hasn't looked like that old guy, that guy that we remember when he was on the centers that was just absolutely blasting the league wide open or his first year or two in San Jose where he was leading through these deep playoff runs. He hasn't been that guy in a while. But honestly, his start to the season right now looks like quite possibly the best he's ever been, which is crazy considering this is a guy that's had roughly two point-per-game seasons as a defenseman. Um, definitely a Hall of Fame talent, but you know to see him getting back to that elite play um, as a neutral has been great to see considering all the doubt he's been getting. So shout out to Eric Carlson. Uh, definitely was the first name on my team sheet because he's just been absolutely ridiculous so far. Uh, Tom saying Huso, love to see him there. Yeah, yeah he was a huge part of why the Detroit Red Wings are off to a hot start for sure. Here's a great question from Ray. Is he tradable? Now, absolutely. Here's the thing. Absolutely. Yes, I and agree. I'll give, I'll give you my reason why, Noah. Uh, like you said, monster contract, getting there up there in age right now by playing to the level that he's playing out of this world actually benefits the case to be made that this guy is tradable because what better time to try and part ways with a bad contract, an aging player on a team that needs to rebuild, and it's very clear than when the guy is red hot Obviously, players are in much higher demand when they're playing to the level that he's playing mm-hmm. than when they're not. And for a team that's maybe like one piece away from a serious Stanley Cup run, especially on the defensive side of things, why not take a risk and see if this guy can kind of keep up the hot streak that he's on and help propel you towards the Stanley Cup? Yeah, and here's the thing. If you asked me this question even three weeks ago, I would have said, hell no, he's not tradable. He's stuck on that team forever. His contract sucks. And he's not producing. But like you said, if he's producing as he has so far this season, which I think is at the level of being the best defenseman in the NHL right now, of course he's tradable. Doesn't matter what he's making. He could make, be making $15 million a year. If he's playing like he is right now, like you said, some contender is going to knock on the Sharks' GM's door because the Sharks are eighth dead last in the Pacific. They've been terrible. Carlson's been their only redeemable quality so far. Um, 
They're going on the other side of things, too, the Sharks wanting to get rid of that contract wouldn't request a lot back, making the deal both ways much easier. Yeah, so I definitely think he'd be on the market, which is, you know, if you asked us that a month or two, it wouldn't even be a question if he could be traded with. But if he keeps playing like he is right now, uh, definitely. And the Sharks would be wanting to move him with how they're playing. So um, we will see if he gets moved. And I hope he keeps playing like he is because it is great to see a guy that, you know, his career basically looked like it was heading downhill really fast. And now he's playing an elite level again. So um, hope he keeps it up. But those are our teams of the week. So um, shout out to, I believe, Carlson and Kucherov were the two players to appear on both our teams. Uh, they've been killing it so far. Uh, Ray saying San Jose would have to eat half that contract at least. Where is he going to go? Who has the cap space that has the need? Well, I think they would be willing to do that because as long as they can get part of it off the books because they're rebuilding, um, I, I don't think they'd have a problem with that at all. Like Garth said as well, I think um, they'd be willing to take a cheap deal as well. Um, where is he going to go? Good question. Um, it's hard to predict this early in the season because I think a guy like Eric Carlson is more of a trade deadline move, which it's hard to predict um, something that is like three and a half months away because it's also very dependent, I think, on injuries and stuff like that. Um, but definitely, I think if, you know, a contending team has a defense manager or something like that. It really depends on how things pan out, you know, headed towards a trade deadline because there's a lot of teams that have the cap space to do this move that have had a good start to the season. It's a matter of can they keep it up or not? Because if they're out of like legitimate playoff contention, then they wouldn't make much sense to make this move. Just taking a look real quick at, at the cap space of NHL teams. Um, I don't know if the Sabres will still be good by the time the trade deadline is, but they have tons of cap space. Yep, Sabres, I believe the Red Wings do as well. Yep, the Red Wings have about $6 million, so if the Sharks did retain, which – if you imagine Carlson and Sider on the same defensive carrying, that would or the same defensive core, that would be. Uh, What's really scary. the uh, Panthers' cap situation look like? I got the Panthers. They're a little harder. They're kind of in cap hell, so I don't think they can do it. Yeah, they have no cap space at all. I think the Leaves are bad cap wise. Their team they could use a defenseman, but yeah, because they have hell. they have about forty five million uh, tied up in um, four players. I'm sure he has a massive no-trade clause as well. Yeah, he'll be able to help uh, dictate where he gets traded as well. But I think because the Sharks want to sell so bad and because he's playing so well, they can work something out. I mean, Garth, I didn't think for a million years the Lightning were going to be able to trade Ryan McDonough. And then two days later, they had an offer, and it was like barely anything at all. In fact, you'd say Tampa probably got – And we didn't even have player. to eat any of his contract. So, you know – Look, the uh, Sharks might have to take another bad contract back. That's something a lot of these teams do as well. If they're trading a big contract, they'll eat some other bad ones that the team wants to get rid of. But look, if a team absolutely wants Eric Carlson, they can manage it. He's not untradeable, which I would have said a month or two ago with how he's playing. But because how great he's playing now, if some team absolutely wants him and the Sharks absolutely want to sell him, and obviously Carlson would want a new team so he can actually win a Stanley Cup, he can be traded. It's not insurmountable. Um, it would take a lot, obviously. It would take some concessions on the Sharks' part, but it can happen. So, anyway, um, Ray's been killing the comments tonight. Thank you very much, Ray, for giving us more stuff to talk about. Always yes, appreciate definitely. the comments. The support tonight has been insane, leaving lots of likes, lots of comments on the show. Do appreciate it. If this is your first time watching like Ray and you have enjoyed, uh, we do this every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern. Um, there was the time change last week, so, you know, move those clocks back if you haven't yet, but uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Um, we've already done nine episodes, which is crazy to think because it's been an absolute blast. 
And like Ray says, anytime I can talk, hockey is Agreed. a good time. Absolutely, my friend. But that is going to do it for another episode of Pucking Around. We've gone a little over an hour on this one, so it's been a phenomenal show. Garth, do you have anything to say here before we wrap it up for tonight? Yeah, so one thing I want to point out just real quickly, the top three defensemen in the NHL in terms of just pure scoring are all Swedish. So that's a pretty cool thing to see. Uh, obviously, Eric Carlson, Rasmus Dahlin, and Hampus Lindholm, they're in one, two, three, respectively. Another guy who is a big Swede, as his nickname, uh, my guy and Victor Hedman. So I've got a little bit of a soft spot for those Swedish guys on the blue line. Uh, and other than that, just a huge, huge thank you for all of you guys who tuned in tonight. Uh, really appreciate having you in here tonight, Ray. You killed it in the comment section. Definitely gave me and Noah a little bit more to discuss. We love it when you guys give us ideas or maybe you know, a, just a different perspective on the current topic we're discussing. So always appreciate the, your guys' love and support in the comments. Like me and Noah always say here, as well as our Sweet Tea College Football Podcast, if you guys didn't show up and comment, it wouldn't be anywhere near as fun. Uh, so thank you, thank you guys so much for the support tonight. And hopefully we see you regularly in the future as well. Uh, and last but not least, now that we are settled in here on Pucking Around, We've got kind of all of our ducks in a row. Uh, we will be looking to add guest appearances. So if you guys are interested in that, have anybody that you know that might be interested, we have started getting that in the works behind the scenes. I do have one person lined up that I'm really excited to get on here. Yes. Uh, the exact date will be determined once we sort out schedule-wise what works best for him. Uh, but my good buddy and fellow Tampa Bay Lightning fan, Daniel Haloti, uh, the voice of the Canapolis Cannonballs will be joining us at some time soon, as well as our good buddy and fellow partner of Review and Preview, Henry, Hank, and Dictor. So really looking forward to that, Noah. And just again, thank you to everybody that tuned in tonight. Ray saying thanks, guys. Great listen. Interested. Well, A Ray, we'd love to have you on to talk some hockey as well. Um, but once again, thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, from myself, Noah Dodd-Dobber, and my good co-host and friend, Guard Charger Patrick, this has been Puckin' Around on the Review and Preview Sports Network. We'll be back next Tuesday night at 7 Eastern to talk more hockey. Until then, enjoy your, enjoy your hockey, keep puckin' around, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one.